This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today our guest is going to be Dr. Brian Hare. And Dr. Hare is an associate professor of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University in North Carolina. And he's also the director of the Duke Canine Cognition Center. And Dr. Hare has published dozens of articles in scientific journals, and his publications on dog cognition are among the most heavily cited papers on dog behavior and intelligence. But most recently, he's published a fascinating book called The Genius of Dogs that provides remarkable discoveries in how we can understand the minds of our dogs. So come right back after these quick messages from our sponsors as we welcome Dr. Hare to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. X-Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X-Power pet dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X-Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect gift for family and friends. Please check out our specials at ViperPet.com and Amazon.com. For more information, visit xpower.ws or call 855-855-8868. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Dr. Brian Hare with us today. Hello, Dr. Hare, and welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, Whistle. (laughs) Well, we're so thrilled you could be with us, and there's so many things we have to talk about. But first of all, maybe you could start out by telling our listeners a little bit about your history researching dog cognition. How'd you get started in this field? I mean, most people have never even heard of it. (laughs) Well, what happened is, first of all, I had, I'm had i a dog lover, and of course I had my boyhood dog who was my best friend, and that's probably the most important part of the story of how I got involved, because how could you not be fascinated in what's going on inside the mind of your best friend? And then I went off to college and got interested in understanding animal psychology, and most people were interested in studying primates, and I was doing some studies comparing chimpanzees, our close, one of our closest relatives, to human infants. And my advisor said that one of the things that chimpanzees can't do very skillfully is use human gestures, that he basically said, well, that's evidence that our ability to use human gestures or use gestures so flexibly is unique to our species. And so then I said, well, wait a second, (laughs) I think my dog can do that. And that's how the whole thing got started. Wow. Well, you've come a long way since then with the research that you've been doing. And I was so excited to hear that you're actually working with canine companions for independence. 
Yes, we are. We have been so fortunate to have the experience of working with them. They are amazing. And um, basically, because we've learned more in the last 10 years than the previous century about dog psychology, and a lot of that precipitated because what I ended up doing is my advisor said, well, why don't we do some experiments to see if you're right, that dogs really can use gestures, and it ends up they're marvelous at it, and it ends up it's their hidden genius. And um, so we have been working with Canine Companions for Independence to see if we can use some of the new tests that we developed to understand dog psychology, whether we can use that to help identify the best service dogs and you know, help with the training of service dogs, et cetera. Yeah, I know people are always asking me because I'm on my third service dog now, Whistle, and my first one actually was from Canine Companions for Independence, and their dogs are awesome. And But people are always asking me, how do you identify traits that make some dogs more successful as a service dog than others? So how do you identify that, Dr. Hare? Well, what we're doing is we're giving the dogs a lot, like a whole um, series of intelligence tests. And I think the main thing that we've learned by studying animal psychology or animal cognition is that there's not one type of intelligence. And it's not that you just have more or less of it. There are lots of different types of intelligence. And you can be really flexible in one area and not be so flexible in another. And so that goes for people and it also goes for dogs. And so that's exactly what we're doing is we're trying to measure the intelligence of the canine companions for independent service dogs in lots of different types of intelligence. And then we're going to see how does that relate to their performance. And once we know that they're, okay, these are the three types of intelligence that are really important to predict success, then we can start using that to look at puppies or to look at dogs that maybe would be better suited for a different type of companion animal or service dog job. Yeah, and so how long is the study going to last? When do you think you'll have some results? Well, we have um, funding from the National Institute of Health through the end of this year, and so the study will know our results um, hopefully by 2014. And so then we'll um, write up our research findings, and you know, hopefully we can make some conclusions then to help speed up the identification and make what is already an impressive and amazing process if we can even refine it and make it a little bit better. Oh, that'll be incredible. That can really have a huge impact on the industry. That's wonderful. Well, that's the hope. And the, you know, the truth is that in the past, I think there's been a lot of focus on temperament, so the emotional reaction of a dog. And there's some really nice tests that have been used to look at the emotional reactivity of of candidate service dogs, but nobody's really looked at their cognitive abilities or their intelligence as it relates to their performance. And that's what this is all about. And I think one of the big discoveries that animal psychologists or animal cognition experts like myself have made is that animals are not just learning machines. They actually understand things and they can make inferences in certain contexts. And so one of the questions is, are there dogs that are more flexible and more able to make inferences than others? And is that related to their performance? And so that's one of the questions we're asking in the study. Yeah. Well, I know I wanted to ask you, how do you think service dogs think about their world? Well, I think what makes service dogs possible as a phenomenon is the fact that dogs were domesticated. And as part of domestication, dogs actually prefer people to other dogs. And they essentially, if they're socialized with people, you know, they want to do anything and everything they can to interact 
and be together with people. And it feels really good for dogs, we know, um, obviously, to be social with people. So I think as a service dog, you know, in some cases may actually know that they're helping their owner just like they know, just like a non-service dog knows it's helping. Um, and then in other cases, it may not be as aware that its actions are actually providing help to the person it's working with. But I'm sure that if it did know, it would be really happy that it was helping. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I've so wondered about that because, as I said, I'm Whistle is my third dog. And my service dogs just changed my life in ways that I had never imagined. And I, I was enjoying reading in your book, The Genius of Dogs, about the similarities of the attachment between infants and their mothers to the attachment of dogs to their human partners. Because I definitely have feel like I've experienced that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, more than any other species that we've ever been able to study from a scientific perspective, dogs have really converged or become a lot like human infants when it comes to their social understanding of the world and also their social emotions. So really... When it comes to the attachment, uh, dogs are more attached to, if they're raised by a person, they're more attached to people than they are to other dogs. So, you know, the first thing that we learn is that really, you know, what dogs really, really want is people. And you'd think that they want other dogs because they're a dog, but actually the thing they want more than anything else is another person. And that's really kind of a surprise if you take sort of an evolutionary perspective because, you, I mean, if you're a dog and you want you know, to be successful, you should be really good at interacting with other dogs, just like any other species, like, say, a wolf needs to be good at interacting with a wolf. But dogs have evolved to actually completely treat us like we are their most important thing in their life. So, you know, they are very attached to us, unlike any other species. I mean, people have raised wolves like dogs. Scientists have raised groups of wolves in the same way they raise a group of dogs. And you don't see that level of attachment. The wolves are still more attracted to other wolves than they are to people. So it's really something very special, this bond between people and dogs. Yeah. Well, as I said, having a, a working dog relationship and having that assistance dog, I mean, the human bond there is just, it's really incredible. And it's been that way with all three of them, even though they have been different. But that attachment and that bond has just been, I mean, it's so deep with each one of them. And losing oh. them, you know, is just horrible. Oh, uh, oh I can't even imagine because... <laughs> It's one thing that, you know, it's one thing when it's your friend. It's another thing when it's, you know, your best friend. It's another thing when it's your best friend that you spend all day long with and yeah. they're giving you so much and you feel so indebted to them. And, and so then, oh, my goodness. So It's like they're but, a part of your body. I mean, it really absolutely. is. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And so I can't even imagine. But you said something really fun and interesting, and I want to just make sure that I communicate, is that I think that's the other really important thing is that we all know that each dog is special. You, you said each one has been different from each other, but, you know, you love them all so much. And, you know, I think that that's one of the really exciting things for dog lovers to know right now is that the science is at the point now where we can do something we've never done before which is in the past, if you want to understand your dog's psychology or play cognitive games with your dog, the only option you have is to be lucky enough to live near a university where somebody studies dog cognition. Well, in the U.S., there's only two or three places. So what we've done is we've come up with a new way through a website called dognition.com 
where you can go and play games with your dog, the same science-based games that, you know, we've invented to understand service dogs or, you know, pet dogs or military dogs, etc. You can play with your own dog and find out, you know, everybody knows their dog is special. But why is it that your dog is so different from the other dogs? And so the website lets you play games and then compare your dog's psychology to all the other dogs that have already played all those same games. So I think it's going to be really fun for people to understand better, you know, why is their dog the special dog that it is. Yeah, that is fabulous. Well, I've been checking out that website, and I'm really excited to sign up and subscribe to it because I want to play those games with Whistle and see what kind of of strengths he has and what kind of cognitive ability. I want to know how he thinks. I know. Well, I think it's going to be really fun (laughs) because, you know, how else can you see? And the way to think about it is the book really reveals the genius of dogs, the species. Nobody would have been able to tell you without comparing dogs to wolves or dogs to chimpanzees and bonobos, that dogs have this special ability to read gestures or to learn words really fast. Nobody could have told you that because how could you know that dogs were genius if you didn't compare them to other species and see that that's really what's special? And that's the exact same thing you can do on dognition.com, except for you can do it about your own individual dog. By comparing your dog to other dogs, you can learn all about what makes your dog so special. Yeah, that is so remarkable because I know I have to be really careful with my assistance dog about my gestures because they'll start picking up on that without the words, the verbiage, which sometimes is a good thing because I'm in a lot of meetings. And so it's nice that I can whisper to whistle or I can communicate with a certain movement of my hands that he knows what I want him to do. But I also have to be careful of that because he is so sensitive to it. Absolutely, yes. So I totally understand. And so, I mean, here's what we could be talking about is not only are you going to find out, you know, does your dog have the cognitive profile of a socialite or a charmer or an Einstein? And there's these different cognitive profiles that are produced. You play the game. You tell us how your dog performed. We then compare. We have algorithms in the website that compare your dog to all the other dogs. And then you immediately get a 15-page report that explains the science behind the games you played, and what your dog's performance means and what their cognitive style is. And so, the, for instance, the Einstein dog is a dog that's really independent. It's making a lot of inferences. It uses its memory, but it may not be so socially oriented. It's not necessarily uh, relying on empathy or your communicative gestures. A charmer, on the other hand, is a dog that is really social, is really paying attention to your gestures and your input, and is really um, has a lot of empathy and really strongly bonded, but maybe isn't relying on making inferences or its memory as much as other dogs. And so that's just two examples of the nine cognitive styles there are of what you can find out about your dog. I can't wait to see what Whistle is. I'm thinking Whistle may be the socialite. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm guessing, but I can't wait to put him through the test so we can actually see what my little guy is. Well, and the nice thing is, you know, the games are designed to be fun. And so, you know, it's just like playing some fun games with your best friend, and it's best to play them actually with one other person. So it's kind of like a fun way to have an interaction with your dog and, and a friend and, you know, learn something about, you know, your best friend. And, of course... If you can find somebody who has a dog, you can take turns and, you know, you can test each other's dogs together and it should be really super fun for the dog and for everybody involved. And, 
you know, instead of, you know, really the real dream here is also to get some young young people excited about dog psychology, dog cognition, and science in general. You know, instead of having, you know, some somebody who can't get their kid excited about doing anything but playing video games on the weekend, you know, maybe on a rainy day you can get them excited to play these games with their dog. Yeah, well, it sounds like so much fun and so enlightening. Well, that's the idea, and it is also a real feel-good experience because you're going to learn a lot about your dog, but yeah. at the same time, you're going to be contributing to a larger endeavor, and basically, you're going to be contributing to information that scientists like myself can use to then understand all dogs better. So, yeah. you know, it'll, it'll really help us in many ways test some ideas that we all have about dogs that we currently have no way to test. Is there a cost involved, Dr. Hare, to subscribe? Yeah, so to become a member, it's $60, and that really gives you access to the big set of tests that gives you your dog's cognitive profile. And I think the way to think about it is that, you know, everybody would pay that much for dog toys. Oh, yeah. This is is really about, you know, letting you not just entertain your dog, you know, so it can choose the next toy that you would buy, but actually learning something about how they think at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad at all. Well, I was just curious about that because I know our listeners are going to want to sign up and and participate because it does sound like so much fun and so helpful, especially as we really work to develop really strong relationships with our working dogs. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some wonderful messages from our sponsors, and we're going to come back with a lot more questions for Dr. Hare. So come right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Dr. Hare, the author of The Genius of Dogs. And we've just been talking about so many amazing things and the research that Dr. Hare's been doing and about the cool website, dognition.com. But I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the book. What are you really hoping that people will take away from the book? Well, I think, you know, like we said before, I mean, the fun thing is that we have discovered what the genius of dogs is, which is that they're able to use humans to solve problems that they can't solve on their own. And there are a lot of species that also can't solve certain problems, but they don't know how to use humans to help them solve them. And that's what the unique genius of dogs is. So, for instance, we have, we have evidence that dogs struggle to understand the principle of gravity. They also struggle to understand the principle of connectivity. So if you're connected to something, you are going to act in concert with the thing that you're connected to. So what I mean specifically is 
there's a lamppost coming and your dog is on one side and you're on the other side of the lamppost and there's a leash between you, you're going to end up wrapped around the lamppost. A lot of dogs struggle to learn that they need to go on your side of the lamppost. And when dogs do learn to, to do that, they actually still don't understand why they need to do that. And so there are lots of problems like that where because dogs rely on us, instead of trying to learn things on their own, they can solve problems that other animals can't possibly solve because there are lots of animals that don't understand gravity or connectivity or other things like that. So that's really, I think, the first thing is that, you know, there is something remarkable about dogs, and it, that is the thing that allows them to be so easy to train and um, to be such wonderful animals that we love. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people always ask me, especially people that are newly placed with an assistance dog, because they're not sure, you know, they've never really been around a dog 24-7, and they're wondering, you know, what can they do to work on that relationship? What would you recommend to someone who's newly placed with an assistance dog of how to get to know their dog so they can develop a stronger relationship? Wow. Well, you know, you know, I think that people like Canines Companions for Independence will probably have the the best advice on that for sure. But I would say, you know, obviously, I would think that a fun thing to do would be to know more about how your dog thinks, and so maybe either reading the Genius of Dogs and understanding all the discoveries we've made about the fact that dogs are capable of making inferences, but then also understanding there are things that dogs don't know that they can't understand. I think that's also really important because we're not, I don't think in writing the book or talking about dog cognition and saying that dogs are geniuses or that dogs are really smart, the goal is not to communicate to people that, you know, dogs are just little people or that dogs are as smart as children. It's that there are different types of intelligence and dogs are genius with one type of intelligence, but there are many other intelligence where they're kind of just average for a mammal and there are a couple where they're really kind of weak. So I think that's one of the things I would suggest is, you know, just to understand that while, you know, for instance, Whistle is an absolute genius, I'm sure, in several areas, that doesn't mean that Whistle is a genius at all. And so, you know, you don't, you don't want to make your dog into a human. You want to understand your dog as a dog. Right. I hope the genius of dog helps people do that. You know, it doesn't mean just because you admit that your dog doesn't understand something, it doesn't mean you don't love them. In fact, it can help help you love them more because how adorable (laughs) and and how wonderful that they're they're still so lovable even though they don't understand that. So, um, you know, but I think being realistic about what they're capable of, but then acknowledging that they do have a genius. Yes. I think that's going to be the most important thing. Yeah, well, I know I've been working with a service dog for over 20 years, and I just loved your book. I wish I would have had that 20 years ago and helping me to understand them better. But you're right. I mean, I can see it in Whistle's face when there's something that stresses him out or confuses him that he's not quite sure about and how he behaves and how I have to regroup and do something that does work well for him so that I can get to the point that I need to be at, but in a different way. Right, absolutely. And the other thing is that I think there's lots of reason for optimism that dogs are going to be even more skilled in the future at helping people. And I Mm -hmm. think part of the reason is because we've learned so much in the last 10 years about how they think, and we're just now getting to the point where we know enough basic science that we can start thinking about how to apply it. And you can scratch your head a little bit and say, well, wait a second, how could we have learned so much in the last 10 years? How did we, you know, we knew lots of stuff before then, right? Well, the truth is 
No, not really. I mean, there was a revolution in how people started thinking about animal psychology in the 70s and late 60s and 70s. And because of that revolution, thinking of animals as being cognitive and they're capable of inferential reasoning, everybody went and looked at primates. Everybody went and looked at, you know, other animals that they thought would be really smart. And because dogs were domesticated, people didn't think they'd have any interesting abilities. So they were ignored from the mm-hmm. 60s till now, until about 10 years ago. And that revolution in our understanding of other animals was never really applied to dogs. And so that's what's happened. And I think the genius of dogs is all about trying to help people understand all the progress that's been made and what it means for um, thinking about all our best friends at home. Yeah, well, I know because, you know, I'm so familiar with assistance dogs, but even my friends and their pets, I've been amazed at how those dogs who haven't been trained as assistance dogs, but yet how they have helped their owners in different ways with different types of things, whether it's emotional or physical. It's just amazing. And I've always thought we're just scratching the surface of how dogs really can interact with us and help us. Well, absolutely. And I mean, the newest one that I know of, which is the coolest, is it, it, it's a little bit medical, but I think it's just totally remarkable. So I have to quickly share it, which is that there was a dog about a year and a half ago that was trained to smell your breath, and it was 95% accurate at detecting whether you had colon cancer. That's amazing. The alternative is, of course, the colonoscopy, <laughs> which is very unpleasant, and it is 98% effective at detecting the cancer. But I will take that 3% margin of error. Me to too. Give smell. me that furry, wonderful <laughs> canine friend. Yes. So I really think that we are scratching the surface. Um, yeah. And we're going to have so many more exciting things that we're going to find out about dogs and what they're capable of. I agree. Well, tell us about the work you're doing with the military to assist military dogs in the field. Well, it's really kind of the same as the work with CCI is can we help identify dogs that are most capable of helping in the detection of bombs? And is it that there are certain intelligences that they need to be really skilled at this? And in the past, again, there was a lot of focus on looking at emotional reactivity or temperament, but nobody had ever looked at the cognitive abilities that are involved. And, you know, you have to remember where you where you've searched in the past. You have to know when to listen to your handler or when not to listen to your handler. Uh, You have to, you know, do dogs know to reposition themselves upwind? And are some dogs better than that than others? You have to know how to categorize the different smells. And is this the one that's dangerous or not? And what if it only has a component of what you're trying to smell? So I think there, there are lots of things that from a cognitive perspective we didn't know and because we're not just, look, you know, because we're looking at taking this cognitive approach, I think that we can um, hopefully identify or help identify the best dogs faster and, you know, I think it's going to help in many ways, you know, protect our troops when they're overseas. Yeah, I think so, too, because with assistance dogs, there's such a need. And I think with these tools that you're discovering for military dogs as well to identify dogs that would be suited for these jobs and to have more of them would just be amazing because there is such a huge need out there for all of us. Right. And I mean, you know, the idea is all these types of games we play, you know, it's not just the military. It's for, you know, the police or for TSA or for... Yeah. You know, all sorts of contexts where dogs need to detect 
things. If we can solve this problem, uh, we'll be better able to use them to help us in situations where, you know, it's hard to believe, but there's still just no technology that can even come close to competing with dogs in these contexts. Yeah. Well, as a person with a disability, I can certainly verify that. There's nothing better than having that canine partner, let me tell you. Well, tell us, how was it to co-author The Genius of Dogs with your wife, Vanessa Woods? Well, you know, it was absolutely no way that book was going to get written without her. And (laughs) she is trained as a science writer, and I am a boring scientist. And, you know, thank goodness she's a science writer because she made sure that, you know, I would churn out all this stuff that was really accurate, but, you know, nobody would want to read it. And she made sure that it was, that it was exciting and fun. And, yeah, and, and she so, did a beautiful so. job. Yeah, because I have to say, I was thinking that, you know, it was going to be really technical, but it was such a great read. It's You did a beautiful job of explaining some really technical information, but in a way that dog handlers and dog lovers can understand. Well, that was the goal. The goal was, you know, this is really important stuff for everybody. And, you know, that was was the goal, was to make sure that everybody can have access to this instead of it just being, you know, written such that only a few people could even understand what we were trying to say. And so that, you know, to hear you say that is so wonderful because that was exactly what we were trying to do. We wanted to, that's why we dedicated the book for all dogs because, you know, it's for all dogs. And if people <laughs> can read this book and understand all the things we've discovered, I think it's going to help all dogs. Yeah, I do too. I think it is revolutionary. It's brilliant. It really is. And we're so thrilled that you could come on and be with us today. And I hope you'll come back when you finish your work with Canine Companions for Independence because I would love to hear the results of that and, and what you learned and how you're using that information. Of course, we'll be delighted, and I can't wait to hear how Whistle does with DogNition.com. And if he's a charmer or a socialite, I can't wait to hear. Let us know on Facebook. I will. uh, I will. That'll be so fun. And so you are on Facebook, so our listeners can access you there. How can they find you? If you go to um, DogNition on Facebook, that's the best way. Okay, cool. Well, we'll definitely put that on our site for our listeners so that they can be sure and connect with you and sign on to dognition.com and actually play the games and find out the personalities and the intelligence of their own dogs. That's right. And thank you so much. Yeah, well, you take good care and come back and visit soon. Absolutely. And thank you so much, our listeners, for being with us. We appreciate you so much. We love getting your emails, so please keep those coming. And you can also follow us at workinglikedogs.com. But please remember that email address is Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks so much, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.